All right, we're here with John Russell, and I appreciate you coming in. Oh, great have, uh, great being here, Oscar. It's a long time. We've known each other and yeah. had a chance to really kind of sit down for the first time and chat a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased, and uh, it's, it's, I'm thrilled to, to make the trip over here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming. Like I say, you, you are kind of a legend in, in Muskegon here. You've been here long enough now where sure. you kind of... Kind of fit that legend. Is uh, legend code for unemployed? Is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it does, actually. Yeah, It's like everybody I've interviewed has been unemployed. So, yeah, it's, it kind of works that way. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you. So how, how did you get started in radio? Where did you start? Well, actually, I started, I've always been from Muskegon. Um, I actually, uh, the, the way I started was a, a, a kid that I was, I went to Muskegon High School and a classmate of mine, um, I was listening to the radio one day, WTRU, okay. over in Mesquite. That was the big, you know, 1600. Uh, oh, that yeah. was that was the happening station, you know, for a little AM. It was a powerful station and all that stuff. I mean, not powerful power-wise, but just the influence and everything. Right. Always impressed by the people they got here. I mean, you know, they get, you know, the... You know, people come here from Cleveland, from Detroit. It was amazing. But anyhow, um, my buddy, who I, I had no inkling that he was interested in radio, nor had I, I was kind of a shy kid, you know, I mean, if you would have told me, hey, you're going to make your, you're going to spend 40 years in radio when I was, you know, 16 years old, I'd say, you're nuts, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it probably isn't going to be radio, <laughs> but I was listening to the to TRU one day, and I heard this guy said, Steve Ryan's here with you, blah, 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 and all this stuff, and he had a contest, and I called up, won the contest, and I said, hey, because his last name wasn't Ryan, that was his his radio name. I says, you know, I went to school with this Steve. I said, are you Steve? And I mentioned his last name, and he he paused and he said, yeah, <laughs> like I was like a bill collector or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, no. I said, this is John, you know. And and I gave him my name and all. Oh yeah, okay. How are you doing? And he says, uh, I said, how'd you get involved in that? And he said, well, I slept with the program director and. <laughs> And he was he was really had a neat sense of humor, um, you know. And we just talked a little bit. Didn't have a lot of time to talk to him, but I kind of hooked up with him through that. And I thought, man, if, it's kind of the old thing, you know. If Steve can do it, I guess I could, you know, because yeah. I guess it humanizes it to a point. You know, all of a sudden it's somebody you actually know that's doing it, you know. So you, you don't have to be a god, you know. You don't, right. to, you know, you don't walk on water or anything like that. Um, and then we struck up a, a friendship again, because I, you know, a few years. This is a few years after high school. I was in, I was in college. I was an overachiever because I went to community college. It took me four years to get a two-year degree. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, was supposed to get your two-year degree, associates. Uh, it took me four years just screwing around. But I, it, during that time, I caught up with Steve again, and he's from California originally. And he says, you know, I'm not going to be here very long. I'm going to go back to California, and I'm going to. His idol was was Freddie Prince. Okay. And he actually had a bit of a relationship with him. He they 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 were pen pals cuz Steve wanted to get in a stand-up comedy and stuff like that. Well, of course when Freddie killed himself, that was um, that was a dark day for Steve. But anyhow, Freddie had opened some doors for Steve at like the comedy clubs in LA and Steve was going to go back to LA and he says, "Hey man, he said, "Why don't you come back with me and do some things?" And I said, <laughs> I said, "Wait a minute. I said, I'm not a stand-up comedian." And and he says, "No, but you think funny." He said, "You could write." You know, he said, "Write yeah, write yeah. for me, you know." I said, "Well, yeah, well, one thing led to another. My my father had fallen. he had this, had a stroke my senior year in high school. And I I just it wasn't the right time for me and he went 
And then he came back not shortly after that, probably six months later, and I hooked up with him again. I found him on another radio station in Grand Rapids. And uh, I said, what's up? He said, man, he says, holy cow. He says, it was all right. I was doing okay, but you got to have material every day. I mean, you can't be yeah. doing the same stuff all the time. And he right. said, it just was a meat grinder. So um, anyhow, he kind of gave me the... He's, I said, so uh, I'm thinking about doing this. What do I got to do? He says, well, what you got to do, you got to get, at that time, you had to get your uh, third class license and you had to get a broadcast endorsement back then. So you had to test for it. Oh, jeez. So um, we found out where there was a test I did and went to a hotel like a Ramada Inn in Grand Rapids because that's what they did at certain points. And he says, the thing, the thing you got to do, he says, you'll pass your... Uh, You'll pass your third-class license, but he says you're going to flunk your endorsement because everybody does. The endorsement was really uh, an engineering test. I mean, okay. very technical, and, you know, of course, I'm not technical at all. And he was right. I flunked that. But he says, no big deal. You take it again, same answer, no trick questions. And so I took it again and passed. And uh, wound up working, got a job at KBZ in uh, Muskegon. Uh, Klaus Helfers was, I don't know if you remember oh, him. I remember Klaus, yeah. 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 Klaus Hel uh, he did a, a sports talk sports. show. Yeah. So they hired me to kind of engineer, board up that show. And then as a bonus, uh, I would get, and when he was done, I would get to spin music up to Tiger Baseball because they had Tiger Baseball right. back then. So right. I'd get, you know, probably an hour or something like that of a show. And then up until midnight, if the game got over at 10 o'clock, I could spin music again until midnight. So that's kind of how it started. Worked there for a couple of years, but I was really just working very part one 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 day a week, you know. And uh, do you remember what year that was? Exactly? Yeah, that was. 19 I tell you what exactly what year 1980 because the song okay. Sailing by Christopher Cross uh -huh. had just hit uh -huh. and that was like you couldn't turn on a radio without hearing it and I loved the song back yeah. then so I'd play that I mean that was that was the first song if there's a trivia question what's the first song John Russell ever played on radio it was Sailing by Christopher Cross <laughs> and it was just man it's like it was such a rush that you're playing something that you know you're locked into you know people that hey i'm playing this and i don't know what you know how many millions of people are listening yeah. <laughs> you know in your fantasies but it's kind of cool <laughs> and fantasy because <laughs> yeah. i say you are talking kbz yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah actually the lady across the street was listening yeah, yeah. Uh, she had a window open now. but uh yeah so that was cool but i was looking to get more hours that wasn't happening there and uh, had a cousin who knew a guy that worked for a station in Fremont. I didn't even know Fremont had a radio station. And he said he was leaving, and so his position would be open. And he gave me the name of the, the owner, and his name was Stu Nordyke. He owned the yeah. station, owned it since 1960. It was a mom and pop. Uh, he and his wife owned it. Called on a Saturday trying to set up an appointment for a Monday for Stu Nordyke. Well, this is a Saturday. I call up, and the guy answers the phone, radio. I said, Oh, okay. I said, well, hi, I'm uh, John, and blah, 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 and I'd be interested in applying for a position. I got tape and all that type of stuff. He says, well, he's, I says, could I set up an appointment with Stu Nordyke? He said, you're talking to him. And I'm thinking, wow, this is the owner of the station. He's pulling a Saturday. Yeah. And uh, he, he said, uh, well, I'll tell you what, stop by on Monday and we'll talk. And so I stopped by on Monday. He says, how are you about working weekends? I says, uh, and I figured that was going to be open because I, I knew he didn't want to drag his tired butt in every Saturday to right, work. So right. I, I figured that was the shift. I said, yeah. I said, work, weekends work. You know, you never say no, you know. Right. And uh, he's, he says, yeah. He said, tell you what I got. He says, I, you would be the weekend. 
I said, okay. I didn't even think about what that meant. <laughs> but I soon found out. The weekend meant they, they, were, they, they weren't a 24-hour station then. They, they went from 6 in the morning till midnight. Midnight, yeah. And what that meant was on Saturday, my shift was 6 in the morning till midnight. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> yeah, they had automation there. They had some tapes and stuff. But, right. you know, I, I could, he, he cut out a, a, about a three-hour sloth for me to, uh, to, to do my stuff or whatever. And uh, so he's very kind that way. And then he says, then Sunday I need somebody from 6 in the morning until 9 o'clock because they had a gospel show. A guy came in and did a gospel show Sunday nights at 9. And he says, he says, uh, I says, what if that guy, forward thinking, what if that guy doesn't come in at 9 o'clock? He said, well, so that never happens. This guy's always here, always comes in and all that stuff. But he says, in the event that it wouldn't, he wouldn't come in, you'd have to handle that. And I knew, I knew nothing about gospel <laughs> music. Right? So I'm thinking, okay, you know, once in a blue moon. Not lying. The first weekend I do my whole Saturday, I come in, I do my Sunday. And the guy's name was Ray. And he was an older guy. He eventually became the mayor of Fremont a few years later. Okay. But he worked at Gerber's there, and he just was just playtime for him, and he you know, did a good job for it. You know, I don't think they even paid him. Uh, I think they paid him, but he never cashed his checks. I mean, he just did it for you know, he just yeah. did it because he liked doing it. It was his passion. <laughs> and so, I kid you not, Oscar. The the very first Sunday, it gets to be eight thirty, and I'm thinking, wow, well, you know, because I was always a guy, even back then. Uh, I'm a half hour early usually. Yeah. You know, I just I just like to you know you get your stuff together and all that stuff. So okay, got to be 15 minutes to nine. No, no Ray. And all of a sudden, uh, I think 10 minutes or between 10 and five minutes to nine, phone rings and it's Ray. He says, "Hey, I'm in uh, St. Joseph. I thought I was going to be able to get back, but I'm not." I says, "Okay." He says, no, no worries. He says, I said, I don't know anything about your music, Ray. And he says, you know, in the back room, there's all that gospel stuff. And I did see that. But I said, I don't know anybody. And he, he said, tell you what. He says, you can't go wrong. He says, this place is the Bill Gaither Trio. He said, Don Francisco, Sandy Patty. And he starts naming off. And he says, so I'm writing this stuff down as fast <laughs> as I can, you know. And, uh, and so I wind up playing it. And the calls come in, and people are wanting requests, and I'm fine. I mean, I'm I'm bluffing my way through this pretty good. I sort of I'm, I'm not doing the Bible verses that he did or anything right, like that. Right. You know, I'm I'm saying, hey, I'm here for Ray and all. And everybody was really forgiving. I mean, I just kind of kept the music going. Uh, the the folks called in, dealt with them, and I think I found just about everybody's request. So that was, I mean, they they didn't run me out of town. And I thought, okay, I survived that. Well, it turned out that Ray traveled on Sundays quite regularly and it wasn't like once every in a blue moon he was gone he was gone <laughs> quite a bit so I actually I started learning uh, Christian music a little bit more because he had a he had a you know a library back there of, of his stuff right. and I found out you know I, I was a pop music guy right but I found out that Dan Peak who was with America had just turned uh, He'd left America and, and started a Christian career, so I saw he had an album back there. And Don Francisco was a guy I heard of, and it was more like a folky stuff. I yeah. mean, it was not the old rugged cross. There was some of that, but it was. So I I thought, but you had to be careful what, how progressive you got, you know, right. because there were the people that, not, that wanted to hear the old rugged cross and right. all that. And so it was. I learned very early the kind of mix the mix that a little bit. But 
it was a great education and you know to this day you know I'll, I'll pop on some of Don Francisco Dan Peake stuff I thought was always great I loved him with America and uh, so that's kind of how I equated gospel music was through kind of my pop icons and stuff like that okay all right work there um wound up doing uh, am I going to I mean I, you are no, you're fine okay. you're fine yeah. <laughs> um uh probably three years into that um I was working weekends probably maybe two years so now we're talking I my first I remember my first day there June 20th of 1981 wow your memory's better than mine that's well for sure. that's the only I mean I can't <clears throat> tell you any other dates of when you know when I've been sold and worked at other places and all that but I can remember that I guess it just was yeah. ingrained in my mind for some reason about a year into that uh, they had a position open up they had somebody leave and their news director left as a matter of fact so Stu Nordyke who was the owner of WSHN said hey do you know anything about news and I says well yeah I actually did take some journalism classes in my four years of trying to get a two-year degree <laughs> over at MCC. So, you know, I, I did, you know. Uh, and, again, it's the whole thing is you never say no, right? right. So, um, yeah. And he says, in sports, he says, well, later on he would say talk about sports. But I did news. So what I would do was uh, I would uh, I worked a, a afternoon shift from, like, um, I, what the heck was it? It was like 3 o'clock until 7. So I guess it would be your afternoon drive into early evening. But before that, I got there about noon to do the noon news. They had a, it was a you know farm community, Fremont. So it was back in the days where you had, uh, we had a half hour block for news. Uh, a farm report was thrown in there that was done through Lansing. So you did, some, but a lot of it was, and I could do actualities. Like I'd talk to people on the phone or in person, tape them, carve them up and uh, you know put them on so it was a great experience went to like the meetings and all that stuff and and, and all of that well uh, that went along for a while and then all of a sudden the uh, boss got a opportunity to cover uh, notre dame football on okay. saturdays and it, they were going to do it for free because notre dame was just starting up their um, their network and so they, they weren't having to pay a rights fee. So anything they sold, to, I mean, anything the station sold was gravy. I mean, it was all profit. You right. know? So if you sold 100 sponsors, or you should be so lucky. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was all your, your money, so it was easy money. So Stu called me in. I was working with another guy who had just graduated from Central Michigan. He, we were the same age, and he, uh, he had a broadcasting degree. And uh, his name was Rick Stoll called us in the office and said, do you guys know anything about football? And I said, yeah, you know, played it and know it a little bit. And Rick, Rick was more of a basketball player. He grew up in the Detroit area, Birmingham uh, Groves down in that way. Okay. Um, and uh, he said, yeah. He says, what do you think? We're doing Notre Dame football. Shouldn't we do high school football? And Rick and I had privately dreamed of doing it, not having any idea if we could do it. Right. But we'd always talked about, man, wouldn't it be great if you know we could broadcast high school sports? So we looked at each other and we said, yeah, that'd be great. Do you think you guys could do it? Certainly. I mean, we said <laughs> in unison. It was like the Beach Boys. Yes, you know. And, yeah. and so uh, we we went out of his office and back to the front office where Rick worked, and we thought, man, can we really do this? And you know, and but we say hey, we'll give it a try, you know. And we did, uh, and we came up with a plan. 
we both wanted to be play-by-play -play guys to get the experience because we were going to uh, take over for Ernie Harwell when Ernie, uh, oh, of course, when Ernie, yeah. you know, yeah. when he uh, retired finally. Um, so we knew we had to get some experience at play-by-play. -play. And so what would happen was why one of us was calling play-by-play, -play, the other would be the color, and then you'd flip in the second half of a, a oh, football okay. game. So come to find out before our first game, he says, how about if you take the first, uh, first half of the game? And I said, okay, I can do that. And I was very good at memorizing names and picking mm -hmm. up names. He wasn't quite there. It took him a while to figure out who everybody was. And that was his mode of, you know, of wanting to do that. So we would do that, and we would critique each other after. It was the, the most honest partner I ever had in terms of we were peers. I mean, from there on, I would always be the guy that had a few years on whoever I worked with. So I was kind of the, I was kind of the, the veteran, you know, and people, hey, what do you want to, what do we do, John, you know? But yeah. this was right, ground floor, we're equal, we're both the same age, and we're creating something together. And neither, and we, you know, we were learning. Right. Um, so you, we would have these critiques, and my wife and his wife used to go to the games with us, my wife, for self-preservation for me, because I lived in Muskegon still, but I was driving back and forth to Fremont. So you have to remember, my day in Fremont would start, you know, I'd get there at about 10 o'clock in the morning, and on a Friday night, I'd be there until the game was over. Right. So I was dog-tired. So Arlene, my wife, she uh, she says, well, I'm going to go with you so you don't fall asleep on the way home. So she was kind of my life. She, so she would go to the games, her and Joyce, that was Rick's wife. And we would go back and forth, like just hammering on, not necessarily each other, but critiquing ourselves. And man, we should have done this better. And we kind of do this. And how can we do? And and Arlene finally said, "Guys, guys, guys, you weren't that bad. You know, it's you know, hey, yeah, there can be some improvement here. But but we were like that. We were never really we were never really pleased with what we did. Um, and uh, so we we worked together for a couple of years. And uh, I think the second year, I kind of got a little miffed because I said, Rick, I says, hey, I'm never going to call the final touchdown, or we did basketball as well, right. or that final winning basket. I said, I'm, all, I'm stuck doing In the, the first, first half. half. Yeah. And he says, well, he says, you know, you're better at it. You get the names. I said, so let me get this straight. Because you have an inability to learn here, I'm, <laughs> I'm penalized, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? He says, no, no, no. He says, he says look at it this way, John. He says, you always have a close game. He said, every once in a while, we get these, you know, these just routes. And he said, I'm stuck with a stinker, yeah. and which was true. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a fair amount of that. And I said, well, that's, a, that's okay. I see your logic there anyhow. But I said, you still should try to, I says, you know, you, at some point, if you're going to do this, Rick, you're going <laughs> to gonna have to start a game. I mean, right. you're going <laughs> to, so... But he never did. I mean, as, as long as we worked together, that was always the thing. It was, uh, and it was good. It was good training for both of us because we got a chance to sit in each other's chairs. I mean, color and, and play by play and stuff like that. So we did that for two years. Uh, he finally came to me one day and says, "I, I got to do something else. I'm not making any money." And his wife's father was kind of insisting that he take care of their little girl. You know. <laughs> And Rick had a history of teachers in his family. His mom and dad were both teachers. And he says, you know, and that's kind of what I come from, and I'm used to summers off. You know, what are the best three reasons about being a teacher? You know, June, July, and August. You know, he used to joke about that. So he went back to school, got his teaching degree, and he left. And then I worked with another guy there for a while. 
And uh, then eventually Cal, who I work with to this day, he was doing uh, public relations, or public relations, he was doing PA for uh, the Grand Tigers, like their basketball okay. games. And he called me up one day and he said, wanted to have lunch. And he says, hey, John, he says, and I was working with somebody else at that point. He says, if you, he said, I'd always like to try that, you know, being, and from, from then on, when Rick left, I was always play by play. I mean, whoever, right, right. whoever I worked with was the color. Colors. Guy. Yeah. 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 So, um, he says, I, I'd, you know, I'd love if you got an opening, you know, to, to come in and try it. I said, sure. You never know what's happened. Well, a couple of years ago, this other guy leaves and I have Cal and we'd been together for 20 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, what we well, did. I, I had you guys. Well, you guys were were calling games on. I think it was LCS at the time. Yeah, and I was uh, covering some some games, videotaping yes. them. Yep. And you were nice enough to let me just put a mic down there, so you guys did the play by play for sure. it, and uh, we used that. I was like TV forty. I think we put it on yeah. or something. So yeah, no, that was that was a yeah. good experience. Yeah, we had, we had the face for a radio, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were gonna. We, I was gonna follow you around, and I, I forgot what happened. Something came up. Yeah. There. I remember that we were we almost worked happened. together, didn't we? Almost, almost. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, Moise and Young, did that? How did they play any influence in your you broadcasting? Know, you know, Jim. Of course, you know he'd been around forever. I mean, right. back when I was a kid, I'd listen to his games. In fact, uh, on Facebook, the, I just messaged him. He sent me some well wishes. You know, when with when I when I uh, lost my job here, um, and so I you know I told him what i told him i said you know you were kind of the godfather of anybody that did play by play sports in muskegon because you were who we listened to you know and so um our paths were pretty good because we were up in newego county for about 20 years okay um so but he would cross i mean like maybe the heights would play fremont so we would see like uh we would see jim and and uh, gene, gene then yeah. And we always had very cordial relationships, always treated us well and, and, and encouraging and stuff like that. Well, when my boss, uh, by this time, Stu had kind of passed the torch on to his son, Don uh, Nordyke, and he had bought, he bought, um, and this would have been the late 1990s. Yeah, I remember. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they bought, bought LCS and the Eagle yeah. uh, and uh, another AM station. Right. Um, and, one and, right next door. Yeah, they, yeah. They bought it, I guess, for a song. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because they were, I guess they were... Uh, yeah, stations that were yeah we uh, worked for Carson and Carson yes. was was buying up all these uh, repeaters and he went he went broke buying all these repeaters so he needed money to keep buying them so he sold us for nothing yeah you know? and uh, that's when I had just come back because I had actually worked at GV I went from LCS and and got hired over at GVU Grand okay. Valley right and worked there for four or five years and I was just going to come back because Bob Bolton at that time was getting me back in well i wasn't real comfortable with the whole situation so right. i tried to get my job back at gvu and anyway that's yeah that didn't happen but yeah the, the whole thing was yeah. was that um yeah carson was looking for money so he sold it for nothing i he mean we, we worked it, it was kind of hard because we all worked our butt off at that station and uh, yes a lot of times we go without paychecks and, right oh because you know carson was not a good he was not a good owner no that's right. what I heard. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when, when we took over LCS, I mean, that was a really happening station. I mean, that was, I mean, there was a, there was a great listenership yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, uh, 
And uh, it was kind of interesting because a lot of it would be, I think it was the ABC syndication classic hits. And what they did, one of the packets that you got, was they would show where they got all their requests from. Right. And Muskegon, or this West Michigan area, was among the leaders of all classic hits yeah. formats. I mean, yeah. as far as the, the it was a phenomenal. Uh, and, of course, like I said, this is late 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Don buys that. And the plan for him eventually is to move the operations to Muskegon. Uh, or at least, you know, the LCS uh, operations. And so we kind of go along a little bit and we expand our, at least, sports coverage on LCS. Uh, we wanted to, to put, you know, I can't remember if they had sports before. I'm yeah, sure they did they at did. one time. Well, we had Moise and Young there. And yeah. I stole them away at WGVU. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And then they went over to uh, uh, Rock. Yes, I think is where they went. Yeah. Yes, exactly, and that's where that's where they were when uh, we wanted to open up uh, sports on LCS. And that was kind of an awkward time for the uh, Gene Young, Jim Moyes, John Russell, Cal Van single relationship because now all of a sudden we come down here and we're in their backyard, right? You know, and I think everybody handled it gracefully. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I know there were some some bit of hard feelings here and there, but right right away, I didn't deal with Jim so much. But I, I dealt with Gene quite a bit. Right. And Gene and I sat down, and we came to an agreement. We says, hey, look, and this is football season again, because I don't believe, by that time, I think they pretty much gave up on basketball. I don't think right. they were doing too yeah. much basketball, right. if any. But football is you know kind of king around here, right. obviously. And uh, Gene and I would, would go out to, to lunch uh, before the season would start. And we'd say, and we both had the plan, and we said, hey, let's figure out a schedule and try not to be at the same place. Right. And and uh, I don't know if, if Jim necessarily appreciated that so much because, you know, Jim wanted to be where he wanted. And I get oh, yeah. that. And, right. and, and I totally... I totally get all of that. I mean, here's a guy that's done it forever. You got kind of the new kids on the block coming in. I mean, we had 20 years up in Nuevo County, but that's 20 years up in Nuevo County. I mean, so we weren't exactly new kids on the block, but we were... We weren't the primary in the Muskegon, like you know, you're you're following a legend, uh, right. and Jim. So I got all of that, and I, you know, I. And meanwhile, I'm getting pressure from. By this time, we're sold to Citadel, and so I don't have the mom and pop, the Nordikes anymore, where you could go down to the hall and say, "Hey, I'd like to do this." It became corporate radio, and it right. was it was different. It was an adjustment. Uh, not always a good adjustment, but it was an adjustment. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and I think that's why we couldn't work together because something they had to do with Citadel, I think, is what it was. When that you know, the, you know what? We were probably going through bankruptcy at that time, okay. and they yeah. had a hiring freeze. I'll bet you that's what it was. That could have been. Yeah, yeah. There was a. There was. Yeah. It was like, man, I finally found some <laughs> some great yeah. announcers I can use for you know yeah. for doing the sports and yeah. Well, okay. Nordyke, getting back to him, just on the sale of the stations. Now he sold the whole packet, all of his stations, to Citadel. Hmm. And he, I don't know what the price was, but I've heard astronomical numbers. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. did he did well on right, that sale. Right. And so they overpaid. Basically, Citadel overpaid for those stations. The downside of that for me, and I was the only one that came with the sale. I mean, there was, I remember uh, there was a guy named uh, Jeff Morton. He was the, uh, he wasn't the market manager because Matt Hanlon was a market manager, but Jeff was his right right-hand guy. And he came in to do interviews. And everybody that went into the office came back, their eyes were like this. And it was like they were just, you know, 
they were just a zombie. What happened? You know, it was like one of those. Hey, what we're gonna? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. You know, so I'm thinking. My, my, I'm the last interview. I'm thinking I'm gone. Yeah. So um, I go in. They call me in, and Jeff says, "How are you doing?" I said, I'm "Doing all right." He says, uh, "What do you think of the sale?" I says, "I think it stinks." <laughs> and he's now keep in mind, it's not that I'm brave. It's I'm already dead. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm already in my mind. I'm already dead. I might as well say what I'm going to say. Right. And uh, so, <laughs> so he looks at me kind of puzzled. He's wise. Well, you know, this station's been up here since 1960. I know you're going to move it to Muskegon. I live in Muskegon. It, it'd be great for me. I mean, it's only a few blocks probably from where I live. I mean, I get all of that. Wouldn't have to drive, you know, 60 miles round trip every day uh, through snow and sleet and all that stuff. But I says the bottom line is the people up here are losing a radio station and they're losing a you know they're losing a, a, a you know a, a, a touch with their community and all that stuff. And he says, oh. Well, he says things change or something like that. And he goes on and I, I proceed to tell him everything that he doesn't want to hear. I know he doesn't because he's looking at me like you know he'd ask me a question. I, I was just being honest. I wasn't being I wasn't being disrespectful. But I was being honest. I thought I was gone. And I said, hey, this is my exit interview. I'm not going to sit here and beg for my job. And I said, you know, I don't even know if I want to work for Because I had heard stories about, oh, yeah, yeah. about not only Citadel, but just corporate radio in general right, right. about how it was. And so I said, I don't even know if I want to do this, to be honest with you. So I had this really frank interview. It probably lasted a half an hour. And like I said, I didn't tell him anything he wanted to hear. I know I did. And at the end of that, Oscar... He says to me, he says, I need an operations manager. You want the job? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, if you wrote a textbook on how not to interview, I just wrote it. I mean, there, there is nothing that you would say, well, the first thing you ought to do is you ought to be contrary to everything this guy wants to do. And then, I mean, it was, it, yeah. it was, but in hindsight, he needed one person. And that's what I I found out later on he got a, in this conversation with Don. He says, I can take one person. Who would that one person be? He says, it's a no-brainer. It'd be John because he can do everything. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's not not bragging on my part, but small radio. You know, right. you've, you've yeah, done that. You do yeah. everything, you know. Yeah. So that that's that was more of that than, hey, John's such a great talent and all that stuff. I, I happen to think that was prior. No. <laughs> but, but anyhow, uh, so that was it. So I had that job no matter what I was going to say, apparently. I did not know that. Um, cause I'm, I am gobsmacked when he says, do you want to be my, uh, you know, and I, I remember thinking, God, didn't he just hear for a half an hour? <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of anything I, I could have said positive. And I, I said, well, yeah, I'll give it a chance. So I thought at that point, Oscar, that I was going to be the transition because when I, when we went to the studios where we are now, there was not even furniture in there. I mean, the, the computers were sitting on the floor, and that's uh, and there we didn't have we had some old chairs that we brought from you know Nordyke's place, and that was it. And we were playing PSAs. We weren't even playing like so because the sales staff who went down they did go, okay, but they quit right away yeah. almost because they didn't like this the guy that uh, Citadel had brought in to be the sales manager at, for the Muskegon office. And uh, so they they were all the guys I worked with who I thought I was going to at least go with. When I show up, it's just me and this other guy, the sales manager. We're the only two in the building. And I thought, wow. Now, what building did you go to then? Uh, we went to where we are now. Uh, it's uh, it's called Heritage um, 
Her- Heritage uh, shoot. Well, it's it's on um, it's on uh, Miriam Street in Muskegon Heights. Okay. It's actually what's kind of ironic is it's across the expressway from uh, Clear Channel, iHeart. You know. Uh, oh, okay. The, okay. It's directly. I mean, in fact, you see you see our tower and their towers. I mean, and we would always get we'd get their winners on MUS, and they would get our winners. I mean, it was kind of a yeah, you okay. know because you couldn't even say hey we're by the Denny's because the they were right by the yeah. Denny's. We were kind of by the Denny's, but that was a landmark. But we were across the street, so that's that's a general area where it was. Yeah. But we went in there and we had nothing. Um, and I thought, God, this ain't gonna last. I mean, we weren't even playing commercials we were playing psas and stuff like that and and we didn't have a sales staff and i thought this is gonna not my transition here isn't gonna be long well lo and behold we wound up hiring a staff and i uh, brought in a guy that worked with us rick hickman right who we he and i did a morning show up in fremont for probably 10 years anyhow and we, it was a country station then and uh, we we did that together and, and rick and i were just uh really just had a lot in common i mean we just we could finish each other's sentences he had the same sense of weird humor that i had and it it worked well he winds up his day job was with michigan works up in nuevo county fast forward a little bit um michigan works is taken over by the school system so their people are going to take it over rick loses his job he was still board hopping and engineering the the football games and basketball games for us. So he actually came down here for a year and did that. I mean, it was hardly any money for him, but it was something. Right. And uh, meanwhile, again, Jeff Morton comes back and he says, "Hey, we need some salesmen here. You, you got any idea of anybody?" I said, "Well, you know, Rick comes down. I says he needs a job." So I asked Rick, and Rick said, "I don't know anything about sales." I said, "Man, I says you know you're." <laughs> You know, you've you're you you care about people. You you would be great at it. He said, "I'll give it a shot." So I told Morton. I says, "The only thing," <laughs> I said, "the thing you're going to get on Rick about is Rick is going to be weird for a salesman because he's going to actually want this to work for not only us but for the client." I don't think Jeff was too thrilled about hearing that either because yeah, again, yeah. here's a little backhanded jab at salesman. But you know some salesmen go in and, and they get paid on commission i get that i right. totally get that but you can't go into a business and look around and say wow there's no money here you know and and i've heard business owners say that when sales certain salesmen walk in that's what they see they just see it in their eyes like oh boy did i make a mistake yeah right. here's my card but don't bother calling i mean they're not saying that but they're thinking it and Jeff said, well, that's kind of a shot. And I said, well, no. I said, he's, but you're going to have to let him find himself because he's going to spend more time than you want him to spend with a client to land him. But I said, you know what's going to happen when Rick gets a client? This guy's going to be with him for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, said, so you're just going to have to be patient with that. And uh, so, you know, okay, cool. I appreciate that. And, and that's exactly how Rick worked. It took a while, but up till the day that Rick wound up quitting or retiring, his client file was a phenomenal percentage of the same people that he sold and we were together there 20 years because i think i was 20 years in fremont 20 years here so i had 20 years of mom and pop radio and 20 years of corporate radio so it was kind of a unique perspective for that but yeah that was that was and and then he grew our pregame show to just and post game show especially just a whole network of stuff and that's what made us difference but uh getting i'm bouncing around here but yeah gene and i worked very well together um 
Jim came came around eventually, and not that it was anything, but I could always tell that that was there was the thing. But then at, at a point, we were doing as many games as they were, so it was right. kind of a. I think we worked it really well through what what Jim was able to, or not. Um, uh, Gene was able to, you know, and I were able to broker. And then when Gene wound up leaving or, or pulling back because he had some health issues, Tom Kendra came in, and Tom and I always got along from the time that he. You know, worked at the Chronicle and all that stuff, right, and, that. and we just carry that whole tradition on. You know, lunchtime and you know about this time of year, we're we're doing this in July, and that'd be about the time Tom and I'd sit down and say, "Hey, look, here's the nine games we'd like to have. These games, you'd like to have these. Okay, well, we really want to be at this one. Okay, well, we'll give you this game if you take that. It was, and that's how it went. Right, and it it worked out. It worked out well. I think probably their bosses kind of looked to skew at that a little bit and our bosses did too it's like well you know hey wait a minute why are we brokering a deal here with these yeah. and we said you know hey yeah, they're jim, jim and gene didn't answer to any bosses so. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly jim and gene were were yeah. their bosses so. yeah yeah and you know what i was pretty autonomous at with what i did too because they they didn't as long as we were bringing in bucks they really yeah. didn't care um I mean, I, football was was it. I mean, I'm yeah. speaking. You, you made money in football. It was yeah. radio. You made money. TV. You made money. Right. I mean, you just made yeah. money in football because yeah. that was at what people loved to sure. hear about and see. Yeah. Yeah. And basketball became kind of a value added for us. Yeah. Anyhow, it was like okay, you get the season, you get football, and then we're going to basically throw in a basketball season. Yeah. I mean, there'd be a little. It'd be a little premium, you know. But it wouldn't be. I mean, nobody would. I hate to say this, but you're the you could count on one hand maybe one finger the people that would say yeah that would say hey i, I really want basketball yeah it yeah. just it was not the same it, it was the same gravitas as, as football yeah. but yeah no and then we moved here and uh i kind of did the same i was now i was uh operations manager i guess they called me slash program director and uh sports guy here in muskegon for for 20 years and it was a great ride we yeah. did a show uh, rick and i would re we wound up doing a, a monday through friday show for about five years uh morning drive and then uh he left he now, was that on lcs or yes was that it in, was okay yes it was and then he turned 62 and he decided to retire he'd uh, he'd kind of had enough of it his wife is from reed city and she wanted to go back home uh, she'd been down here, you know, for a lot of that time, well, all of that time, and she uh, she wanted to go back home, and he was he said, oh, you know, I, I can retire and I will, and that's what he did, and that was a, a blow to the gut to me because you're losing your best friend, you know, yeah. you're losing yeah. a your partner in crime. I always said I was very fortunate in radio to always have at least one person at any radio station that I worked with. I always call it kind of the reality check. It's like, okay, hey, tell me, somebody's nuts here. Is it me or is it them? I mean, somebody, <laughs> and you know, there was always somebody that even if they were kind, they would say, no, no, they're 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 out of whack. They they have no idea. And I said, okay. And and Rick Hickman was that for me. Rick Stoll was that for me over in in Fremont for a lot of years. And Dale Williams uh, was that way when when I worked with him over there. So I always was was blessed with that. When I lost Rick. I didn't have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't have the I didn't have the the reality check of wow, these guys are doing some really strange stuff here. Is am I losing it or is it, I didn't have anybody saying no, no, they're 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 still nuts, you know. 
So now, now your your name, as far as your name goes, you that's your real name you've used all these years, right? It's not my real name. Oh, it's not. No, it's my. Uh, but it's the name I use because once I used it. I kind of that's who I was I just thought it was yeah okay. no everybody does and that's the awkward part now is when you're going back because people have known me forever as John Russell I, I can my, my real name is is John Cheney okay and uh, so the awkward part that I'm finding right now because if we if I go into this next generation of broadcasting and I've got some irons in the fire that we can talk about if you want to at some point but um, is you know, I set up my. I, I actually set up a John Russell email because I thought, well, you yeah, know, because yeah. now you got to explain all of that stuff. Right. Hey, you know, you've known me for forty years as John Russell, but really, yeah. I'm John Cheney, and that, that just is just to me, it's awkward. It I mean, I think, well, Mark Dixon, he has two different websites: his his real okay. or Facebook, rather. Oh, his real name and his okay. You know, so, Mark Dixon, so Dixon's so. not his real name either. No, no? okay, no. no. Now that was something that Tim Akerhoff came up with. Oh, was years it years ago? Yeah, yeah. Mine was just uh, I had to do a newscast, and I thought, God, I need a name. And everybody asked me, was that a middle name? Was that like your grandfather's name? No, there was there was I, it just I needed a name, and Russell came, and okay. uh, I have. And then once I said it, I was I was hip enough to say, you know, even if I don't like it. I got to stick with it because you can't be John Russell one week and I'll say, "Oh no, no, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be John Rivers the next week." No, 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 no. I think I'm going to be John. You know, I mean, you have to, you have to, <laughs> you can't be, you can't be changing it. Have you ever ran into uh, Bob Ecker on any time? As far as I have. He actually works with us. Um, okay, Bob works with you now. Okay. Yeah, actually, he's he's had two incarnations with us. He okay. um, he. I first ran into Bob when he was working with uh, with uh, Jim and Gene. Right, and right. Uh, they would get uh, they had an AM station too. I, I you know I'm going to say Jim and Gene were on like the Rock FM, and then there was an AM station. Right, maybe it was KBZ even. Yeah, I, well they changed it to KBZ. Yeah, it used to be MUS, but they changed it to gotcha. KBZ. Yeah, but they did that for years. So I, we actually knew Bob and Gary. Uh, Gary Weber was his partner for a okay. lot of years. Yeah, and when we would run a, across each other again up in the, the Nuevo County area, and then we came down here, um, and then about the time that Jim left, they were only going to cut to one crew. I, I'm a little foggy on the details, but they weren't going to do anything and we wound up losing uh, on v100 which was our r&b station in our cluster that we're at now i always thought cluster was such an appropriate name for several stations <laughs> yeah you know but, uh, but anyhow um our loving we, group yeah <laughs> yeah so uh what we had was um we had somebody doing uh, Big Reds football on our R&B station. Well, they wound up leaving, and we had an opening. And I called Bob up, and it was just it was the right exactly the right time because yeah. Bob was I think leaving that AM station, or they were leaving him. And I said, "Hey, would you? and he was he was a Big Red. I didn't really necessarily know that, yeah. but he graduated from Muskegon. Right. And he said he and he, I guess that was always kind of his secret fantasy as far as sports is he wanted to be you know start like kind of a Big Reds network and do that. So it fit right in, mm -hmm. and we had him on board for uh, for a few years and. The LCS, just because we had a good base, always sold well. But for some reason, the Big Reds just didn't sell. I mean, it is, I mean, we got some sponsors, but LCS always out, was able to outsell them. Um, just you know, there was a, a price that certain Big Red people would pay, but they wouldn't pay. But 
you know, I, I think I had somebody from the Big Reds tell me one time, he says, you know, our guys are getting hit up. Our sponsors are getting hit up for, a, you know, if, if you need a scoreboard, they're, they're putting the, the big money into the pro. They would, they would more they would want to put their money into the program as opposed to covering the program. You right. know what I mean? So, you know, we got that, but it was tough. So we had to cut back on that one year. That was a corporate decision. And then uh, Bob actually ended a job with another radio station, kept that going to his credit, and did that for another maybe five years. And then he uh, called me just the year before last, and he wasn't happy where, where, where the coverage wasn't that great, uh, having trouble, just different troubles. Right. He says, would your uh, group consider bringing us back? And I said, I'll ask. And I did, and they were, and we got them back. So, yeah, we were uh, we were kind of partners, uh, you know. Um, you know, he would just handle all the big red stuff. So I, I consequently, even though I was a big red, did very few big red games because you know yeah. the time that he did that. So we stayed with the true game of the week that didn't involve the big reds. Every once in a while, we would wind up you know doing a big red game or something. And the thing I've always appreciated about Bob was, usually anybody else I worked with. Like I would have to set up, like do all of their groundwork for them. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to call the athletic directors at the schools, which I did for me anyhow. But I mean, I would always, it was double the work. Right. Because, okay. But from day one, when I had Bob, he just, he preferred to work that way. Yeah. Because yeah. then he knew what he was up against, who he was talking to, who he was dealing with. And I said, man, because I think he said, do you mind if I set that up or something? I said, man, yeah, yeah. man, no. I said, I didn't think you'd want any part of that. I said, go to it, knock yourself out. And he did. I would never have to hear anything uh, from him. You know what I mean? I mean, he was like, you know, wind him up. He's gone. I mean, he was, yeah. Now, early, early days, you, you speak about setting things up because, you know, I was program director at, at KBZ at a time when I, Jim and Gene were over there. Right. And you had to set up the, the phone lines at yes. all these different places, you know, because they did the, through the phone line. And sure. The, the only time that Jim really got mad at me, really hated me, was when I sent him with a bag phone one time. And <laughs> <laughs> that was not a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, but but you had to set them all up. Now, did you set yourself up every time back yes. in the day? I mean, you had to get a phone line. It was there was oh, a lot of work. I it mean, was. you had to set the phone line up. You had to get it, make sure it was a working line. Sometimes you get there, the line wasn't working. You had to call somebody. You had to know somebody in the. Yes. That's why I got to know John Van Wyke very well. You yeah. know, I'd call him and say, "Hey, yeah. his phone line's not working. Can you get somebody over there to fix it?" You know, and. Yeah, no. you did all that. I mean, no. Whoa, no. was that was did you have some troubles with that? Oh, or? I had. Yeah, I mean, there was. Yeah, that, you had to deal with a phone company, and then you had to get a specific line. You had to get like a business. I remember. I remember. I didn't even know what that was, but I knew the magic words were get a business one phone line. It was right, a clear right. line. I mean, clear was, line. Yeah. Yeah, and you had to do that. I learned that very very early. Um, but you would sweat that because, and then the company, no matter who I worked for hated phone bills right uh be it nordyke or whatever and they would put up with it for a while but after a while i would get to the point where they'd say well we're not going to put a phone in there uh in the early days we had which was pretty high tech for the time it was called a marty unit yeah and, yeah we used uh, a marty quite a bit too but yeah sometimes yeah you sometimes got, you couldn't you could I mean, if yeah. you're on the road i mean it only had so so much of a coverage right area. right um but yeah so and that's where that would come in hey there was a big game that was out of our area and a lot of times boy uh, i i i put it in at my cost i lost money on doing really? sports something yeah wow Be, because you know i i just thought it was important to do it arlene 
you know, bless her heart, because that could have led to a divorce for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, she would. I mean, we couldn't even pay our own bills, right. and she's saying, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> I said, "We can't even keep our own phone on, and you're getting this other bill." I said, "I know," but I said, "Man, this is what we do," and yeah, and uh, and and I did that, and uh, I didn't I didn't turn it in because I didn't want the grief, and a lot of times what would happen with me was I would turn phone bills in, and sometimes they wouldn't get paid, and then I'm thinking, "Well, shit, that's good," because I would hear. I would hear, um, you know, from the phone companies. Well, it looks like you've got an outstanding LC, uh, WSHN's got an outstanding uh, phone bill that, and so I'm thinking, well, that's going to screw me up down the line. So it would be yeah. almost like I would take on some of that myself just to take care of it, right. and I would pay those bills as silly as it is, and it was silly. I would pay a lot of those bills before I'd pay my own phone bill. Now, was this Don that did this, or was this his father? This is, this is back pretty much with Stu and all oh, that. Okay. He, he did not like phone bills. Okay. He did not. Be, I mean, he, he would eventually pay them. <clears throat> um, but, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that I paid them all. But there was, you know, I mean, if I paid two or three of them, that was, yeah. that was a big hit for me. Because I remember the installation, uh, you were okay, like if you were at a place... That actually had phone lines before, right? Because right. they so could turn on. They could yeah. just turn on the jack. So I yeah. think I think it was only maybe like fifty bucks to turn it on. Yeah. Uh, but if you had to put the whole works in, I mean, you're you're looking at 100, 120 bucks. Yeah. And it's and, like, it's and like I was making big, fifty bucks like, a game. Yeah, it's like the big game, so you got to have it in yes. there. And yeah, oh yeah. And, and you would worry, or I would, I'd worry all that. I, I used to say. Uh, you know, until I got hooked up and I heard that dial tone, it was like, ah, it was yeah, like, you know, because yeah. you'd worry all the way to the game. Oh, yeah. You know? Like I said, there's lots of times, like I say, Jim and Gene would get there and they'd say, yeah, Oscar, yeah. We've, we've got no, you know, we've got no signal here. You know, we got no line. So. Yep. And next thing you know, you're making a call to whoever and yeah. trying to get it on there. And, and yeah. they'd have to go to like to a pay, a pay phone or something to call me to let <laughs> me know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah the, the adventures of radio. Oh, yeah. 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 I, one, one funny story about the Marty unit, and, and Jim Moyes actually, we were at Fremont. He was doing a game, and he looked. He says, "Oh my God, you got a Marty unit, huh?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Oh, somebody's going to get killed doing one of those Marty games someday." You know, <laughs> he, apparently he didn't think too highly of those. No, he didn't like them. No, no. but what he was preferred the phone lines, which I never could understand. Yeah, because anyway. it sounded like you're talking in a tunnel all the time. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it was a good connection. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing with the Marty unit was, the farther away you were, you could cheat a little bit because it was all about height. Yeah. So we would have, we got, we came to find out that if you had three of these long poles, and then you put the antenna on top of the pole, and it was like the raising of the flag at Iwo Jima out of the back <laughs> of the truck. Rick Rick Stoll and I would it, would, it was kind of funny. I remember we were at Ravana, howling winter day. We're doing a basketball game. We put this thing up, get the thing turned to where we think the station is, and uh, and then we're, we're good to go. Then all of a sudden, we were listening to a station feed. That's the only thing that you yeah, had to, to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And all of a sudden we hear, <laughs> and I said, oh, shit. You know, what happened was the wind had blown the antenna off the station, right, off the right. direction. So one of us, whoever wasn't doing play-by-play, had to go out, return the antenna, and we had a whole, that was that happened more than, oh, than yeah. that. So you had, and, yeah. and to Jim and Gene, that was way too much work. They well, wanted to plug. <laughs> yeah. Well, besides, back then they were just AM. Well, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So but, it was yeah. just AM, so it wasn't really that big of a deal through, yeah. through the phone lines. So. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so those, those are some. I remember those days very, very well. Yeah. Very well when I was at KBZ. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we we did a, a football game at All Gray, and it was a again a playoff game, wintry night, very windy, and 
we we uh, went and it was one of these press boxes that was straight up it wasn't very wide but it was like straight up very high and uh the first floor was a uh, concession stand. Second floor was actual press box. So we climbed this rickety ladder up to the second <laughs> floor. And we had a box at that time. Uh, Don Nordyke, or his brother Todd, I think actually put together this box that had the uh, ra- had a radio signal thing, a, a, a mixer, and a phone connection thing. So it was pretty ingenious. I mean, mm-hmm. it, but it weighed about 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty hefty. And, it, it, you know, so you're, you're carrying this up this ladder between the two of us. We get up there, and we're looking around, and the guy says, no, you're not in here. So where are we at? He, and he pointed up, and we're looking up, and there's no ladder. And he met on top of the roof. Right. And we said, well, how do we get out there? And he pointed out the window, out the window. And we looked, and there's a ledge probably about <laughs> two feet <laughs> along the outside that you yeah. had to yeah. shimmy around the corner to get to a ladder that went straight up and yeah. if you ever climbed a ladder that goes straight up oh i have yeah yeah it's <laughs> i know you yeah yeah uh and and we and we had this big box and we got up there well we we stole this is again back in the days with stole um i i pity him because in the early days we have the war stories i mean by the time cal came along we were pretty civilized i mean yeah. we were you know stuff was 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 not so bad we didn't have too many of those stories but with rick it was it was like that all the time and anyhow we fight our way up to the top and all of a sudden we see the camera guy for one of the teams come up and then we see another person and i'm thinking who in the heck is in this press box it's like they're sending everybody up here on this little uh, deer yeah, blind with, yeah. with us but uh and then it was like the the wind was howling and you oh, might yeah. have put a bag over the microphone or else you get the <laughs> <laughs> Now, as far as uh, some of your favorite radio, st- I mean, you pretty much, I'm sure, said most of them, but you've uh, some of your favorite radio moments that you, th- you can think of. I mean, when you did your show, you did you did it in the mornings yes. with Rick. Yeah. <clears throat> now, was that one of your favorite memories as far as shows you've done? Yeah, I mean... It, the sports and all, of course, is Yeah, the sports, favorite, we talked but, about that, and that's always been fun and, yeah. and for a lot of reasons. But yeah, the shows were, were always great. I, I always liked getting up in the morning and coming into work, checking the you know the news out. They used to have the old teletype type of stuff, you know, and just find out what's happening. And then, you know, to... I mean, and just the adrenaline of that. I mean, this was back... When I started in radio, you have to remember... That was the the news programs really weren't now you know weren't weren't there. I mean, you were people actually listened to the radio right. to find out what's going on, yeah. and uh, that's something now that I you know generations don't even no. realize what they that look was. On their phone now. Yeah, but I I loved all of that. I, I loved the contact with the people and the uh, the, the people that would uh, would call in. Rick and I when we moved over here, we did a Saturday morning show called the Saturday Morning Shootbox. We started that. The uh, what 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 started with that was one of our stations that was Eagle here for a while. They changed it to a sports show, right. a sports station. They called it the yeah. Champ. We started the uh, the Saturday show because um, Brett Bakita was working at WBBL then, and they wanted to do a morning show, a local morning show, uh, sports show, and so Rick and I were going to do it. Um, but we got the wise idea of say, hey, let's see how we work together again. It's been a while since we worked together, so let's just go in Saturday morning, six o'clock in the morning till nine, and we'll just play the oldies and we'll have some fun. Who's you know, if you're bad, who cares? It's yeah. six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. On a you know? Saturday, yeah. Well, what was funny, Oscar, was if <laughs> we started playing, we started talking back and forth. Phones started lighting up. Yeah. And uh, what we found 
At that time, the Muskegon Chronicle was still going. And all the Chronicle workers, or a huge amount of them, were out delivering papers, and they okay. were calling. So, they, I mean, they all of a sudden, they, they, they called. And then when the Chronicle kind of disappeared, we thought, uh-oh, there goes our audience, because a lot of them was that. But then we built our own audience from, yeah. from that. But that was funny, because we, we did that for no pay. And we did it on the sly, and it turned into just a monster show. And I would wind up, you know, getting sound bites from Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies. And then we started, uh, <laughs> what was really cool was, I remember sitting around one day saying, you know, Johnny Rivers, you know what, he can't be that busy anymore, you know. Why, <laughs> he, you know, if, if I hook up with him. Not the whiskey a go-go anymore. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I said, you know, these guys, it's not like they're the top-line talent anymore and all this stuff. And this is what we play. We play their stuff. I bet you he wouldn't mind talking or doing an interview. And all of a sudden, I was, you know, going on websites or whatever, and I was just making contact with either them. Some sometimes they actually answered their own emails, yeah. or I'd get their publicist and tell them what we're doing, and they would buy in. And uh, you know, I, I mean, the the people we talked to, to, you know, from Johnny Rivers to Art Garfunkel to um, uh, Bobby Goldsboro, we did a two-parter with him. Um, Art was only a one-parter because that was set up through an agency. Okay. Uh, Art had just done a, uh, a solo album, uh, one of his latest releases. And I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, and they said, you're, you're only going to have 10 minutes. Well, what we like to do is we like to have 20 minutes with these guys. And then we would mix in their music. Right. I mean, we turned it into a whole program, an hour right. program, that we would play after the jukebox. So we co-opted another whole hours, you know. Oh, okay. Um, but we said, I told Rick, I said, hey, we got Art Garfunkel, man. He said, we only got him for 10 minutes. It's going to be a cattle call. You know, it's going to be one of these things he goes right from us to somebody else. And uh, we talked with him, and he was very warm. very. And I had heard that he, there, depending on where he was in his life, he, either, he would either talk about Paul Simon or he wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those things. So... We got to talk about Sound of Silence because this was on his thing. And I'm thinking, right. man, if he'd only talk about Paul, but I didn't say anything. And, he's, and he talked about the whole story about how Paul was in England and when that song hit. And they were kind of almost in one of their mess. They were almost broken up at that time before their first song came out. I mean, they kind of went their own separate ways for a little bit. And that song actually brought them together. And he said, he says, Paul Simon, what a talent. Let's talk about Paul. He actually said that, and then Rick and I looked at one another, and we thought, "Wow!" Yeah. And it was like, "Okay, man, here we go." And and he was just told all the stories, told about the breakup, what that was all about. Wow. He, he taught he, he taught school for a while. Did you record this? I did. Yeah, I okay, still I yeah, still yeah. got this stuff. I still kept all of that stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, someday, if I find something, uh, you know, I'd love to play that back again, you know, yeah. and stuff. But yeah, I mean, we'd have them. We'd had uh, Randy Bachman from Bachman Turner. I mean, we. Now he uh, I talked to Randy myself too. Great guy. Actually, it was back at KBZ when we uh, when we I, I talked to the nudist camp and they were having a thing called Nudestock. <laughs> yeah. And he was one of the artists that was going to be at Nudestock, and I talked to him. And he actually sent me like CDs from what he was doing in his garage at the time. Yeah, I mean he's, a, he's an awesome guy. He's well, a great plus guy. he he did. I don't know if he was doing it back when you talked to him, but he sense and still does a radio show. Yeah, and it wasn't uh, when I no, wasn't and, it, I, and it wasn't too much unlike what what I think what you do with cartoons and what we did with the jukebox is just like kicks back, kick back, tell the stories of the songs, or yeah. and it's not all his stuff. I mean, you know, if you play Tommy James and tell some stories about that and right. stuff. Tommy James was another. I mean, we interviewed him two or three times. Couldn't wow. get enough of him. 
Um, he's, you know, from Ni technically he's born in Dayton, but he was raised in Niles. So he, he always considered himself a Michigander. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that. So th those are always the good stories. I mean, those are. And, and Rick and I just had had a blast doing it. I mean, we we would be tired after a game on a Friday night. Sometimes you'd only get three hours sleep, but you would come back in the morning, and that was that was just our fun time. That was just our yeah. time to yeah. hey, nobody got killed. It was just just. Well, I wish I, when I was doing talking tunes on Eagle ninety seven, I wish I would have thought of just contacting uh, local celebrities like that, or that are not local celebrities, but celebrities that oh. have been. Has been, so to speak. But you, you'd be surprised how yeah. many. Uh, you know, one of my heartbreaking stories of that was Glenn Campbell. I was always a fan of his, and yeah. I knew he was doing his final tour. He had the Alzheimer's right, thing going, right? And I got two rejection letter or emails that were like the sweetest emails I ever got. One of them was Carol King. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd asked to talk to her. And she said, John, she said, really appreciate you being a fan. Because I said, you know, I was always a big fan of all this. She says, but I really, I, I really don't do a lot of press anymore. I really, you know, I, I'm, I'm semi-retired. And, uh, and I probably could have followed it up with an, oh, come on, would you? You know, yeah. but I, you know, I, I didn't want to be that guy. You know, it's, hey, they said no, but they said it really nice. Right. And the other good rejection letter I got was from Glenn Campbell's wife because um, I said, hey, you know, we'd love to have Glenn on. I had Jimmy Webb on one time, the great songwriter right, who wrote, right. you know, was really kind of the rocket fuel for, for Glenn's career, you right. know. Um, and uh, and I, I dropped his name, you know, I figured, okay, I'll get me in there. And I, a couple of days later, I got an email from his wife, and she says, John, she said, again, appreciate all the stuff you said, but she says, you know, Glenn's just not in a real good place. We're trying to get him through this final tour. Um, she she says he doesn't do radio interviews anymore. She says he'll do some limited TV interviews, but that's only because I can be there with him right. and kind of help him when he's having some problems and stuff like that. And I did see some of those interviews, and and she was kind of the the yeah. lifesaver in that. Did you see the documentary I on did. that? Yes, yeah. it was yeah. hard. You know, it, it was, was very very hard to watch. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it really was. Yeah. And uh, and uh, but his family was great. Oh man, yeah. and I you know I, and I said man, that's a guy I just waited too long to talk to because. I was. Are you familiar with the Wrecking Crew and what they oh, yeah. were? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to know a guy named Denny. Because Glenn was part of the Wrecking Crew. He was. He was one of the He's session also part guitarists. Of the, part of the Beach Boys. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of came through the Wrecking Crew because right. they were the, the Wrecking Crew was this group of studio musicians uh, that recorded basically all the pop, well, not just pop, but all this music out in California from I'm going to say late '50s to early '70s. Right. I mean, they were a part of your movie themes, your TV themes, uh, pop music, Frank Sinatra. It just went on and on and on. And I got I got in touch with a guy named Denny Tedesco, whose dad oh, yeah. was. Tommy Tedesco, the great right. guitar player, right. you hear his, his guitar and a lot of stuff. Mash is the one that really jumps out, uh, you know, that little guitar solo and that. Well, I, I got struck up a friendship with him. He was putting together this this movie, and what he was doing was he was going to different markets, and he would charge admission, and that would allow him to buy the rights fees for these songs so that he could put this movie out. And I got we, we got him into Grand Rapids uh, at uh, the Wealthy Theater and all that stuff, and so we we got to be pretty good friends. And he he did one of our we had a legend segment too. That's what we would call these if you're talking to Art Garfunkel or right, Denny right. Tedesco or whoever it was. And he was he was great as well, um, and, and told us all the stories. And and that would lead to another. Hey, you want to talk to Hal Blaine? Hal was like one of the greatest right. session drummers right. ever, and it was yeah. Now the Wrecking Crew is that the 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 
documentary that you were talking about that you yes. led him to put? Yeah, because yeah, I've seen that a couple of times, actually. Yeah, it's great. So I think yeah. you can run it, run it like a Netflix now or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Maybe even on YouTube. I got, he gave me a, a copy of it, and I, I still, I wear it out. I just, I just love oh, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, the yeah. other the other one was about the the, the guys at the session musicians that were at the, the Motown. Yes, yeah. that was heartbreaking too in yeah. some ways because uh, the story of when, they, when like their last session. It's uh, the story that I heard was they actually went to work. Barry had already decided to move to, move to L.A. Yeah. and and a lot of these guys showed up to work like on a right. Monday thinking they were going to go to work and there was like a sign on the door of Hitsville that said move to L.A. and the sad part was these guys weren't even invited to go along. Right. You know the the heart and soul of the Funk Brothers and uh, I thought wow. James Jameson too as far as debate they said that that's when he they don't know if that that's when he died because of right. the 25th anniversary show I mean the, the Funk Brothers weren't really mentioned or anything in the 25th yeah and uh, they didn't get the respect they, they didn't deserved. get respect no, no and that's no respect and they and it's it's like they when you if you've seen that you see that they came up with all these different little techniques to make these songs unique you know, right like hand clapping the foot stomping the the certain bass notes that james jameson's came up with and yeah. it was it was a very good uh I, I think i got the movie but very good very good uh thing to watch i think it's that's on netflix now yeah. too you can watch it so and yeah just the i mean just you talk about the kismet of whatever you know just the coming together of the the i mean the songwriters the musicians right. the you know Smokey robinson uh you know all of the, the temptations yeah. i mean my gosh all in this stevie wonder this... kind of learned from the, the <laughs> funk brothers you know yeah, yeah. He hung out with them and found you know yeah and uh, one of the sad stories from that was and it might have been Jamerson, but I'm not sure. It was one of the one of the classic musicians, and he was having dinner with with the, this reporter, and the reporter was going to do a story on the Funk Brothers. And they're setting in uh, they're setting in a restaurant, and they're playing uh, they're playing uh, My Girl on the music. Okay. And you get the doon 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 doon, yeah. and it's it's what this guy had played. It's James, yeah. And all of a sudden, you see his eyes light up, and he wants to say to the waiter. Hey, you know that's me playing that. Right. And then he said, "This this writer says." All of a sudden, I saw just really the the light go out of his eyes, and he just sat back and looked at his menu again and ordered yeah. his food. And I said, "Weren't you weren't you tempted to say, hey, that's me?" He says, "Yeah, I was tempted." But he said, "Ah, he he wouldn't have cared. He wouldn't have known what that yeah. was or anything." And and he said, he said, "Man, one of the all time great licks of all time." And who wouldn't? Well, he, I guess Jamerson was saying that guy would not believe me. He would say, "Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, right? yeah you're, you're yeah. just some old dude that's going to say that, you know." <laughs> and all that, well, but. that's you know all the all the writers that wrote the songs. They got all their credits and everything, but the these guys came up with the licks that really made the songs what yeah. they were. Yeah, know? because they weren't necessarily written in. Right. I mean, Supremes. Would, I don't think Supremes would have had all the hits they had if no. it wasn't for. The, yeah, the you're absolutely brothers. right. A lot of yeah. that, and and the 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 wrecking crew was a lot of it was during the workouts of the song. Hey, how about if we added Do this? That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it, it, it turned out to be the difference of the song, you know. And it was years later that I found out that Glenn Campbell was, you know, such a great guitar player. I couldn't read I music though. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't read music, but, but he was he, good. He, oh man, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, he. What he stood in for the Beach Boys for uh, Brian Wilson, right? For for a tour because Brian Wilson didn't want to tour anymore, right? And uh, I mean, there you go. But anyway, <laughs> I think you and I, since we've you know, you and I could probably go on about know, that know, forever. Yeah. Um, a few of the few, uh, your favorite people that you've uh, you've worked with through the years, you think? I'm mean, Rick, of course, is one, and 
Yeah, Rick's, Cal. Yeah, Cal. Those are my those are my two buds. You know, I work with a guy who lives in this area. His name is Mike Taylor. He's he was a coach for oh, a long Mike. time. Oh, Mike, I know Mike. Do you? Oh yeah, well, Mike. I, did, I feel did, sorry did about game. That. Yeah, I know. Well, that's Mike right. did he games for, for, a for a while. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he did. He is one funny man. He is. He's yeah. A, yeah uh, Crazy. Yeah, I met him <laughs> back when he was an assistant coach with Dan. Well, Dan Rohn was the head coach over at Fremont, but uh, but Mike was one of his assistants. And Mike told me back then, he says, you know, I want to do this someday. I said, what? He said, what you guys are doing? I said, geez. I said, don't pay anything. <laughs> he said, no, I just want, and he's a natural. He can he tell all the stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a guy, Kalamazoo, coached every level. I mean, yeah. from high school to college. I didn't coach in pros, but, but you know, worked with Bo over at University of Michigan, some yeah. of those stories. And, yeah, he's, he's never he's a lost word. He's been fired quite a few places, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he always says he did it right, though, because he didn't get married until until his coaching was pretty much done yeah. because you know obviously you got to go wherever the job is and but you know mike was working for you guys i think then and i can't remember when yeah. that was exactly but yeah, yeah he was we, doing a little but a sports show with you right yeah we, we'd done the power hour together we did that up until i wasn't there any longer in fact you know we're one of the things we might do is, is see if we can bring that back in some way, shape, or form with online or something like that. You know, we're we're certainly open to doing something like that again. I mean, yeah. he, he loved doing that, and I did too. So and he's good at it. He, he is, is good at it. He's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he knows everybody. He knows. You know, if he doesn't know, he knows somebody who knows. I mean, he's. Yeah, got, ask uh, him uh, if he remembers me. I'm oh, sure he does. I'm sure, he'll have a, a yeah. few choice words. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he does. He's he's he, he mentioned that. Uh, yeah. That uh, he'd worked with you before. So. And said, I got, Rick said, I got a surprise for you. Here's some, here's a blast from the past, and it was Klaus. And we talked probably for 10 minutes on the air, yeah. just kind of reminiscing and all that. And, yeah, he was uh, had a great voice. I remember oh, yeah. I, I, uh, the first time I met him, he was on the air. I mean, it was like I was in the studio getting ready to engineer the show. I'd not met Klaus. And I remember this little guy, is because he was pretty diminutive, uh, sitting in a chair. And I remember thinking, wow. Uh, Klaus is going to be kind of mad when when he comes in. Yeah, this yeah, guy's yeah. going to have to get out of there. And all of a sudden, you know, this guy's looking at me, and it's seven o'clock or whatever it is that go on, or six o'clock, and I'm hitting the opener, and I'm thinking, wow, this guy's cutting it close. And all of a sudden, Mike opens. This is Klaus Helfer. Wow, <laughs> holy cow! Because I, you know, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even have like the little handshake before or anything like that. I mean, I'd gotten there, and he'd kind of come in late that day or whatever it was. And so the first time I heard his voice was when he was on the air at that time. I thought, well. Okay, so what's what's the plans? What's up? Well, right now, um, I, I'm really kind of busy just trying to get stuff uh, together, like insurances, and making sure that's all taken care of. I've got I've got kind of a window of like uh, 12 weeks where I'm I'm kind of taken care of here. So what I'm what I'm really using this Oscar is to not jump at the first thing. You know, I mean, if I'm if I'm going to work at Taco Bell, you know, I'm, I didn't nothing against that, but you know, I didn't want that to be my my first jump off. Point, I heard you, you know. can make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Getty Street Grill is offered. Yeah. Yeah, Ron over there has offered me graciously offered me that. But you know, I I've got some some irons in the fire. Like I said, the thing I I'm still intrigued with doing high school sports. But yeah. I um, I know a guy that I've worked with uh, that runs a, a streaming uh, streams games. He's in the southern part of Michigan. He also is connected with the MHSAA. 
uh, he's kind of offered to you know set down and see what we could do. He's more into getting with a school and then doing everything. In other mm-hmm. words, you're doing football, doing basketball, both right. boys and girls, and, and softball and all of oh, that. Oh yeah, yay! Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, you know I my thing is, and, and Hickman might come back into this and help with sales and. And my goal is to show that maybe we can make enough money that we could do a game of the week that's not his forte. He doesn't really like that, so I might have some convincing to do on that. But right. if I come back, I would like to stay with the game, especially football. I mean, you know, baseball and, and that other stuff is all negotiable. I, I get that, you know, because the the, the audience isn't as, right. as, as great for those. I mean, if you wanted to specialize then somehow, I don't know how that all would look. But that, that's the answer. My, I got some meetings next week with them. I've already had some really good meetings, you know, uh, with, with some, some folks. And uh, the, the problem is if, if I can piece enough contractual work together to make a living to, you know, to replace, not that I was making a ton of money, but, you know, uh, and it's not about money necessarily, but I always say, you know, until the gas company doesn't think that money is important and the uh, electric company doesn't think money is important and the landlord doesn't think money is important i got to think money is important you know so right. uh, you know you got to you got to pay the bills so um but i would love to stay in this at some some way shape or form i mean i, I love what you know what you're doing with uh, the not only the audio but the visual i i know audio editing and all that but you know someday i'd like to learn a little bit more about the video i'd like to maybe even work on documentaries or something like oh, that yeah. you know i mean yeah. just uh you know see where this can where it can go and all that type of stuff so um yeah i, I really don't know what's out there i i i'm 99 percent sure i'm going to land again in broadcasting probably is not going to be terrestrial radio again i mean because <laughs> there's i mean i i don't want to talk bad about anybody or anything but it's you know you're you're very you're very blessed if you can find a non-corporate owned station anymore i mean and you got somebody that can you know has a vision for you um and uh and the ones that aren't corporate don't don't have any money either so exactly <laughs> no you're absolutely right yeah. and radio is just you know the the canary in the coal mine as i always say is and, and i'm sure you were in this thing too you're you're a 16 17 year old kid and you're taking your tapes and you're banging on doors and you're right. saying hey, can i get in here you know what the last 10 years i uh, i'm not seeing kids come no. into a radio station and say you know, hey, I, I really would like to work here. I mean, that's, is Sex Howard still open? You know, I don't know, man. You know, I used to, and, I, and I'm not trying to dog anybody that ever went there because that that was one of. The, and I thought, man, why would you want to go to a school? Yeah. And you're never going to be able to recover the money and right, your tuition right. and, and the job. You know, unless you're, you know, yeah. I mean, I know you could and you could land in New York and all that stuff, and that could. I know, happen. I know. I've only known one person. Um, his name was Mike something. I couldn't remember his real name, but his, he went as Kenny Calvin. And he was at Rock 95 when we were over yeah. there. And weird. he did land a job in uh, Lansing for a little while after that. But he ended up going back to um, concessions at Tiger, Base, at Tiger Stadium. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Made more money there than he did doing anything in radio. <laughs> yeah. so. I used to always call Specs Howard just as just the sense of humor I have is the Shemp Howard School. Yeah, of yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, Oscar. Appreciate the invitation, and it certainly is a, is a thrill to come in and see your operation here. And I'll tell you what, you know, you've been 
doing this about as long as I have too. So you know, I mean, you're certainly close fit. to forty years. Not yeah. quite, not quite the forty but, year mark. You but. know, we, we got similar stories, know similar people, and yeah. similar experiences. So I mean, you certainly fit. You know, whatever you should be up here doing a yeah. doing a thing. I mean, I know I you wouldn't have anybody to interview me. <laughs> you have to talk to yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, but no. Thank thank you for doing that. And keep on keep and and you know I, I know you're very good at, with the with the cartoons and some of the things that you're doing, and I really appreciate that because you know if if we ever needed local radio, I mean we still need yeah. we still need that connection. We still we we can't have everything canned. Well, so, you know the one that. nice thing about it now is that I have plenty of uh, out of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're Our right. work DJs to talk about yeah, it. So there yeah, you go. We, we got our own little club here. Yeah, we got we? our club. Yeah, we should start that. The, we, that, that could be the radio show, the yeah. out of work DJs. Yeah, yeah. the out of work DJs. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Well, right. thank you, Oscar. Thank you.